Hey everyone, my name is Taylor Richmond. You can find me at BTOK Online. I'm a student, and when I have the time, a gamer. This is the Student Gamer Podcast. Come along with me as I try to stay on top of the gaming world while studying to be a journalist. Today's podcast is going to be heavy on my school experiences over the past few weeks, but I have found some time to play video games, including one brand new to me. Of course, I will be touching on some of the gaming news stories I found the most interesting, and as always, finishing off with recent and upcoming game releases. Alright, it's the third episode! We made it. We made it to the third episode. Sorry it took so long to get this out. Uh, I know I've said a couple times, I think, at this point that it's my goal to have weekly releases. Um, yes, that does mean one release every week. That is what I mean by that. It doesn't mean one release in a week at some point. One of the weeks may, might have a, a, a release. No, I do mean that I want to have one release every, one release every week. But um, I'm still I'm still working on how that works for me how creating those creating those good habits finding the right schedule to get everything done you know i got i have homework i have to think about i have other projects i mean i have a big project for my journalism class that is taking that is you know designed to take the entire quarter and so even though there are there aren't necessarily due dates for that project some weeks i'm still continuously working on that there's uh, continually things I have to schedule around that project. You know, on top of everything else, I literally just had a midterm for one of my classes. Um, it's, uh, and, you know, I, this is my first quarter where I have so much school going on. It's uh, for the past couple of years, I, most all of my classes were online. I was able to kind of, fit my school schedule around my life where now like my life has to work around my school schedule and so I'm still figuring out what that looks like I'm I'm this week I'm starting to do better at figuring out what a daily schedule and good habits might be how I can stay healthy uh mentally uh while also fitting in, you know, some of these hob hobbies that I want to be doing while also getting all my schoolwork done. So that's why I'm finally able to, that's why I'm finally able to get this podcast made because I'm starting to actually get things scheduled in a healthy way. I think I had to kind of get past last week, like I said, and I'll talk a bit more about that coming up, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be finally recording this, and I'm happy to finally be releasing it. Uh, so let's get into it. So as I said, this podcast is going to be heavy on the student side of things, and that's mainly because being a student for me means dealing with a lot of anxieties. Um, there's a reason I'm back in school as a 33-year-old. Uh, because I attempted college straight out of high school like so many people do and it did not work out for me uh, at that point. 
I barely made it through a year. Uh, I mean, I guess technically I didn't even make it through the year because I failed some of my classes. But yeah, I, I uh, was unable to complete college directly after high school. Obviously, didn't have to go back to school, but I talked a bit about why in previous podcasts. So I won't get into that again. But, you know, being in school brings up a lot of anxieties I have about just getting things done, getting behind on work brings up a lot of anxieties when I feel unprepared about something, um, which happens a lot because I procrastinate. I have a, I have a problem with procrastination. Uh, and then when I, you know, get behind on stuff, uh, I get more anxious about the fact that I'm behind on stuff, which makes it that much harder to get started. It, it's a, it's a, awful cycle. It's an awful cycle of getting anxious about what I have to do. That makes it harder to do the thing because I'm anxious, which makes me more anxious and around and around I go. So that's kind of what I was dealing with last week. A lot of big things. Uh, I I mentioned the midterm that I had. Um, It's the first closed book midterm I've had to do since going back to school. Um, which is kind of ridiculous to me. Um, I feel like in this day and age, memorizing a bunch of facts doesn't do anybody any good, uh, especially in the class I'm in. It's just, it's my dinosaurs class, uh, which I'm pretty much just taking for fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's really interesting. I, I enjoy, mo- I've enjoyed most of the science classes I've taken coming back to school. Um, I definitely it definitely scratches, you know, an itch in my brain. I have, I've always kind of had a science itch, just never been really motivated to go f- far in that field. So I really learn, love learning about paleontology and what we know about dinosaurs, uh, learning about fossils, all that stuff. But then when I'm expected to memorize all this information for a midterm, which I would probably just forget the instant I'm done with the test. Seems really strange um, for anybody. Like even for the people that want to go into paleontology, they're going to be taking more classes after this. They're going to be surrounding themselves with this information and it's going to naturally uh, stick in their head. And even the pieces that don't, we can always just look up the information later. I feel like we live in an age now where the information is always accessible to us and it's more important to learn about how to find the information going to the right places to pull that information up and also learn how to organize notes, organize your the information that you're learning from the lectures so that they're easily accessible. Um, because I can easily either, you know, go online and find something, or if I want, like pull up my notes, uh, if it, let's say I'm in the job, let's say I am an actual paleontologist, I'm going to be going, I'm going to be referencing my notes all the time. And as long as I have them organized well, and I know what I'm looking for, I can always just pull up that piece of information. And it seems strange to me that I'm expected to have it all memorized, to take, you know, the time 
to make flashcards or or whatever just to cram all this information into my head that I'm then going to forget the instant I'm done with the test. So it was a bit of a shock when I learned it was closed book. Um, and I really didn't have the time to cram a bunch of information. You know, I'm working, I'm, I got other classes. It's not even a class I'm like a hundred percent invested in. I'm just kind of going through it. Um, like I said, enjoying it a lot. I'm glad I'm taking the class, but I don't really have the energy to take, you know, even just a couple hours every day to just like cram all this information. Cause, and you know, if I, if I knew where to focus on what, which pieces to memorize that like, sure, maybe I could do that. But the fact that I, I don't know what's going to be on the test. So I'm, I'm supposed to memorize everything somehow. Um, so that was I mean, just that fact was causing me a lot of anxiety. And the day before the test, I'm looking over my notes. I'm looking over. They did make a study guide, but it literally was just like. It was literally just like all of the it was it was a summary of all the lectures, basically. So it wasn't really, hey, memorize these things. It was here's all the information from the lectures that might be on the test. Um, and so I'm looking over all this stuff and it's so much information and I'm just like, well, there's no real way I'm going to be able to memorize this. So that night I read over the notes, read over the study guide, uh, you know, try to, try to absorb much, as much of it as I can. And then the next day, uh, I have a, a pretty good amount of time on campus um, before the test. So I pull that study guide back up and I'm just kind of reading through it, trying to find all the pieces of information that I had forgotten about before and sort of re, uh, familiarizing myself with it. And luckily I get into the test and it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Definitely looking over the notes helped looking over the study guide helped. Um, there were things I had forgotten about that I was, refreshed and got brought back up in my brain and and then they were turned out to be on the test um so that was good that i did that um doing the the midterm showed me that i probably didn't need to really stress about memorizing a bunch of stuff if i had taken a bit more time to just like ingrain myself in the study guide i guess in the you know in the information from the lectures, like maybe I could have done a better job. And in fact, I just got my grade back for it. And I think I only missed like six points, which I'm totally fine with. Um, but getting that done felt really good. The fact that like, okay, it wasn't that difficult. I got it done. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I feel all this anxiety, all this stress before something like this. And then I get into it and I do it and it's not that tough and I'm done. And it's just like a huge weight lifted for sure. Um, but it's also just like, why was I so stressed out? It's frustrating. Um, it's frustrating. Why did I have to beat myself up so much? Um, which, you know, all that anxiety made it that much harder to 
to study more, to get into it or whatever, you know, get other stuff done. So the other thing on the same day as the midterm, um, I mentioned this uh, project I'm working on for my journalism class. I have to write an article um, by the end of the quarter. And that means doing my own research. It means interviewing people. Uh, we just learned in class about polling documents, um, you know, publicly available documents, just getting, finding the information for this article, right? Putting it all together myself, um, uh, acquiring it all myself and then putting it all together myself and then, and writing it and getting it done by the end of the quarter. So I had an assignment to do an interview which I did. I did my first journalistic interview. It went really well. I did it with the executive director of Campus Energy Utilities and Operations. Very fancy title. Um, I'm writing the the topic of my article is about um, the UW campus uh, decarbon decarbonizing. <laughs> you know, getting rid of carbon emissions, basically. And so the, the, you know, executive director of campus energy utilities and operations, he's kind of in charge of especially the removal of the current heating and cooling system on campus that uses natural gas. It burns natural gas. It ha there, the campus, the, the University of Washington campus has its own power plant that burns natural gas to create steam to work the, uh, the heating and cooling system on campus and so it he's sort of in charge of getting rid of that and replacing it with a new system and i went to it, it was called a town hall where there's a panel of people who are all talking about this process and the decarbonization process of the campus and he was supposed to be there and so I wanted to ask him afterwards if he would be cool with an interview maybe in the next couple of days or whatnot and luckily he was there an hour early as was I so uh, I was able to talk to him beforehand and it was kind of crazy just kind of jumping into that you know out of nowhere I had to put on my journalism um, I don't know what my journalism pants my journalism uh, suspenders. What, what do I have to put on? Um, and I just had to be like, Hey, I'm, you know, writing an article about this. Can we have an interview? And it felt really cool. It felt going, it felt, I felt very professional going through that process. Um, and then the day of my dinosaur midterm, I actually had my second journalistic interview. Uh, one of the people on the panel at that town hall meeting uh, was actually a second year student who was a part of um, a group on campus. They're called the Institutional Climate Action UW chapter. So in, in, Institutional Climate Action is a, I think, it, I think it's a nationwide organization and it's all about institutional change. And there is a group uh, of UW students specifically as a part of this organization she was a part of the panel to kind of give that student perspective on the topic. And so I asked if she'd be willing to do an interview later, which she was. And we happened to schedule it the same day I had my midterm uh, for my dinosaur class. So I was already pretty anxious about other stuff, about my midterm, 
about procrastinating and getting prepared for that interview kind of unfortunately um, fell into that procrastination cycle. If I'm already anxious, it, it, it makes it that much harder, right? To get, get stuff started, to start doing the things I need to get done because I'm super anxious. I've already been procrastinating and I'm getting really anxious about the things I'm not doing. So I get more anxious and then it makes it that much harder to do the things. So I wasn't super prepared for my interview, which didn't feel great. Um, but luckily because the midterm was easy enough, you know, I didn't, I wasn't perfect, but it was easy enough. I got done early and then I was able to take some time right before the interview to, to prepare. Uh, and it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be and got done with the second interview as well. And that one went great too. It was great too. She, she brought someone else from the group. And so there were two people there, which was really nice. Uh, to get both of their perspective and yeah and it went great I mean it's it's um it feels really weird (laughs) it feels really weird to you know be doing the journalism stuff asking questions gathering information uh like I said I feel really professional about it um I've I've, I've learned through the couple of interviews I've done now that, you know, they really don't have to be that long. I was getting in my head about like, oh man, I got to be prepared for an in- the interview to go for like an hour or more. And both interviews I did were right around a half hour. Um, and they both felt, you know, substantial. Uh, as I've learned in class, there's always the potential I'll need to ask further questions later. And that's why you got to make sure you have their contact information and whatnot. But both, you know, they lasted about a half hour and they felt full. They felt good. I got a lot of good information out of all of them, uh, about out of both of them. And it just kind of to- told me that it's like probably depending on the subject. Um, an interview doesn't have to be that long. It, there's, there's probably a good length for ev- all of them and, uh, as long as you, as long as you have all your questions answered, there's no re- reason why it needs to go, you know, longer than a half hour. Um, so that also felt kind of good for me that I'm like, okay, so it's, it's not necessarily about having an hour or two hours worth of information prepared. It's just about making sure you have good questions that gets, you know, gets your brain going and gets, at least gets you started because you can always, ask further questions later. Um, and then, yeah, uh, most recently, um, we're starting to learn about requesting public documents. Um, you know, using laws, uh, like the freedom of information act and, and other laws that are similar to that about requesting public documents, um, doing background checks on people. That's going to be something I'm going to have to do that executive director of campus energy utilities and operations. I'm going to have to do a background check on him because if there's a person in your article, you need to make sure you're not surprised. Obviously probably a good 80 to 90% of the time, there's not going to be anything 
but you got to know, right? Um, so that's going to be interesting. Like even the student, uh, I did the, I did the interview with both of the students. I'll have to do background checks on them just to make sure I'm not prepared. I doubt, I highly doubt (laughs) either of them will have anything, you know, disparaging, but it's, you just gotta, you just gotta do your due diligence. And so it's going to be interesting going through that process. There's a big assignment we were given, a, a big like scavenger hunt basically to get used to the different places you go, you go to request uh, public documents and whatnot. And so we're really starting to get into the, um, I don't know, the, the, prof- like the professional journalistic world, like requesting public documents and, you know, being persistent, uh, doing background checks on people. Definitely, you know, I guess it's one of those things where it's not surprising that it's stuff I have to be learning about. It's stuff that I got to be doing. Um, but definitely not something I was considering when I first decided I wanted to go back to school to be a journalist. Definitely was not thinking about this side of stuff. So it's cool. I'm glad I'm glad to be in it. I'm glad to be learning it. Um, and in fact, when I get done recording this, podcast i'm going to be working on that assignment and uh hey if i actually if i actually did make a change this week uh in terms of productivity and getting stuff done maybe next week when i'm recording the next podcast i'll tell you all about how it went so as i said not a lot of gaming for me recently um However, I've been thinking about the fact that there's a, I have a lot of games that I've started and haven't finished, but there's a couple that I especially want to get back into and want to finish. Um, there are a few games that I haven't finished that I'm, I'm kind of okay with just letting go and not going back to them. Um, but I have a couple that I would really like playing again and, and, hopefully eventually finishing uh Baldur's Gate 3 I believe I've talked about man it's been so long since at least especially since the first episode Baldur's Gate 3 I would I would love to get back into that game and play some more um Pokemon Violent Violent Pokemon Violet um it's the first main series game main series Pokemon game um that I haven't finished and you know man it was the graphics were really hard to get into and there's definitely something about open world games that can sometimes can be a struggle for me to um stay motivated in playing um open world games can get really kind of overwhelming for me sometimes there's just you know so much going on where like the original sort of Pokemon style which was more linear it's easier for me to stay focused right it's more like it's more like I'm checking boxes off I'm like all right now you go to this city and you check out that city and you do these steps and you go down then you go to this route and then there's these Pokemon and you catch those Pokemon and you you know it's it's easier to see it's easier for me to stay in it where open world is just like uh man it, it it's it's like i feel unfocused I, I i get very focused 
in the sort of standard Pokemon style, the old older game style where in an open world games, it's very easy for me to get unfocused, which unfortunately is one of the reasons why it's a lot of open world games are the ones that I tend to stop playing and don't get back to. Um, I've talked about how Starfield and, and other other Bethesda open world RPGs make it easier for me to feel like I'm checking boxes and doing, you know, doing things in a bit more of a linear way. And so that's why those open world games I'm able to stay in easier. Um, but I, I mean, po- Pokemon is one of my favorite series. So I, I really want to get back. I really want to get back to it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I want to get back to it. I'm, I'm surprised. I, It's one of those things where it's like other stuff has happened. So much other stuff has happened. I kind of just forgot about it. And I want to I want to finish that game. Uh, the final one is uh, Mario Plus Rabbids, actually. Sparks of Hope, the second uh, the second game. The first Mario Plus Rabbids, I played the heck out of that game. I played, I think there was, I think there was only one expansion. If there were two, I played both of them. Um I really liked the first game and the second game I've enjoyed the amount I played in that as well. I like the changes. There's some changes I don't like as much. Um, you know, it's not drawing me in quite as much as the first game, but it is still, uh, one, it's just a really kind of simple game. It's a really easy game that I can fit in between other stuff. So, it's it's just kind of one of those things that it's remind like remembering that I still have that game um, that there's still a lot that I can do in that game and the fact that I haven't finished it yet it's like that's a game I could easily just be playing here and there um, and that uh, shouldn't be taking up a lot of t- uh, uh, time uh, doesn't have to take up a lot of time when I'm also doing homework and whatnot so that's the other one kind of on the top of my mind that I want to get, be getting back into eventually I am still playing. A ton of Slay the Spire, having it on my phone makes it that much easier. It's pretty much the game, you know, whenever I'm on a lunch break at work or whatnot, like that's the game I'm going to. Um, so I'm still playing a lot of that. I'm hitting a wall at Ascension 12. Um, basically in Slay the Spire, you can make you can make each run harder um, by going up what, what the game calls Ascension. Um, and then the Ascension goes up to level 20. And every time you beat the game or yeah, beat the run uh, on a certain level, you unlock the next level. So right now I have unlocked uh, level 12 of Ascension. And uh, I've kind of hit a wall there where I'm struggling to have a winning run. Um, You know, playing it on my phone, obviously there's like some challenges there where I'm not playing the runs all in one go there's definitely times where I'm also not really putting all of my brain power into it. So I'm guessing that's why I've kind of hit a plateau at Ascension 12. It's, I mean, it's a hard game. And when you keep adding on to the difficulty, it's, you know, it's that much harder. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Eventually, eventually I've, you know, the fact that I've been playing it so much, I have, I've just, I've have learned a lot about that game and there was a long period of time when I was playing it before where I struggled even on Ascension level one and now, uh, playing at a lower Ascension level, 
it's it actually feels that much easier, which, you know, is kind of surprising when I was struggling so much before. And, but now that I've played it so much and learned so much more about the game as, and like really tried to study the different strategies and whatnot, I actually feel like I have improved a lot. So I'll probably, I'll get to Ascension 20 eventually. It'll just take time. And then the final game, uh, as I mentioned, is a new game for me. Um, I came across it because it was all the rage on the interwebs, all the YouTube videos, all the streamers were playing it. Um, it's called uh, Suika Game. Uh, Suika, I believe, I, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but it's uh, Japanese for watermelon. So uh, you could call it the watermelon game. It's, you know, even in the English translation, it's called Suika Game. Um, it is a, a puzzle game where you're dropping fruits into a container. And if you have a pair of fruits touch each other, they they change into the bigger fruit. And there's sort of a, uh, a progression of fruits that whenever the two of the same fruits touch each other, they, they change, they evolve into the next fruit on the progression loop until eventually you get to the watermelon at the very end. And every time you pair up a couple of fruits, you get points. Um, it's just this kind of puzzle, puzzle game that's a lot harder than you expect it to be. The sort of standard everyone set for themselves is getting to 3,000 points is winning the game quote unquote uh, although the game continues on after you get to 3000 points um, I'm sure there are people out there who can get much higher than that um, I have I have yet to achieve a 3000 point um, game however it's because it's just so simple and it really allows me to, it just really draws me in I get so focused on it um, I've been playing it a ton. It's kind of my end of the day game. Um, and I've been, I've been streaming it. I've actually been going back to Twitch after, man, it, it must be, it must be years at this point. Maybe it's only a few months. I forget the last time I streamed. Um, it's been a long time since I've streamed anything on Twitch, um, at twitch.tv slash Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's such a, it's, you know, it's such a simple game that it's so easy to just like turn on my stream, turn on the game and play for a couple hours at the end of the day. So that's kind of been, that's been cool. I haven't been putting a lot of effort into the stream because it is a game that I get, like I almost turn my brain off as I'm playing it. So I am kind of playing it in a way um, that is just for me. It's not, which is not the ideal way, obviously to to stream on Twitch, the whole idea is to be entertaining for the audience, but uh, I'm, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm kind of just doing it to, again, just kind of start getting myself out there again. But at this point, I'm just kind of on there um, to, I don't know, have a have some nightly relaxation. And if somebody wants to share uh, that relaxation time with me, um, then you know that's why I'm there. I guess that's why I put it out there. Um, I'm, I've been thinking about how I might be able to make it sort of just a relaxation stream. Um, I may, I might have to get feedback from other people, maybe from people who listen to my podcast. Um, but I know that some people find 
my voice relaxating re- relaxating <laughs> some people find my voice relaxing just because it's kind of low and um i don't know i've i've had i've i've been i've heard before i don't i don't know maybe i'm starting starting to sound cocky but uh, there's probably a way i can make the whole thing relaxing for the for an audience as well as as for me as well so i i'm again i'm not putting a ton of effort into that yet so we'll see where that goes it might tr- it might turn into something else again it's just about creating habits getting putting myself out there a bit more frequently and um eventually kind of promoting myself so uh but yeah i mean that's that's pretty much all i've been doing in terms of gaming not a lot um yeah and i mean mostly just a bunch of games i want to start playing again we'll see how that goes but the hope is i uh, i keep streaming regularly and if i'm able if if i'm able to achieve that out of these last couple of weeks i feel like that's that's an achievement by itself all right let's talk about some gaming news some of the stories I found the most interesting. I, I didn't go too far back over the last couple of weeks just because, truthfully, there really wasn't a lot that was popping out at me um, as I was scrolling through r slash games. So, um, and I was looking yesterday. I pulled out a couple things yesterday, but there really wasn't a ton of things um, I felt worthy of talking about on this podcast mainly because I know um, people listening to this podcast probably aren't looking for all the nitty-gritty stuff. So I was just trying to find all the really big things, and there wasn't really anything jumping out at me. So I waited to look again um, today before recording, and I found a couple more things. Um, But uh, the first one, kind of a smaller story, uh, PlayStation consoles are no longer going to have Twitter integration. Um, so used to be that if you got an achievement on PlayStation, um, or if you wanted to take like a, a a screen capture or something like that, you could post it directly to your Twitter profile. Um, but you will no longer be able to do that. Um, apparently this is already the case for Xbox consoles. So, um, I don't know with, it's probably not like a huge deal, People are still going to be able to take screenshots um, or, you know, post on Twitter like, hey, I got this achievement or whatever. Um, so people are still going to be able to share things on their profiles just fine. But with everything that's been happening with Twitter, you know, now called X, uh, the fact that so many people are leaving uh, it's become, it's, you know, losing so much money ever since Elon Musk bought it. Um, it's just kind of a sign. Uh, I feel like this, uh, the fact that it's not integrated into consoles anymore is just kind of a sign that this is not a good app anymore. It's not a good platform. People don't really like it anymore. Um, and this is just another thing on a list of problems that people are frustrated over one of the brand new things i saw today ea is teasing a new mass effect game i know this will make my sister happy um they're calling it nebula at this point don't know if that's the actual name or if that is a 
um, sort of stand-in name at this point. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, this next story I did see when I was looking at uh, stuff yesterday, but I didn't really feel like it was worth pulling out just because I don't, I didn't think a, a lot of people at the, you know, 10,000 foot level would really know the name, The Escapist, which is a magazine, website, YouTube channel. They do, they make video game content, uh, report on video games, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, but apparently they've been laying off a bunch of employees. They're a pretty big name in the video game world. And the fact that so many people were leaving, so many people were getting fired. And because of that, so many people were leaving. Um, it is kind of a big deal, but I didn't, I didn't put it on the list yesterday, but then I just saw today that a, a lot of the people who have left the escapist, they're already announcing what they're calling a new adventure, uh, called second wind. So that's kind of interesting that people have, you know, have ba- just left and they're already getting together and they're already like, Hey, let's, you know, whatever is happening over there is whatever. But, you know, we we know we can do this. We know we make good content. So let's just do it ourselves. Um, and we don't have to worry about maybe somebody purchased The Escapist. Maybe it was a new company that was running the ship. Um, and that's why so many people were leaving. But it's kind of cool to see them all go off and and start their start their new uh, new thing. It's, it's a YouTube channel at this point. Uh, but there are probably going to be more announcements to come in terms of what second wind is also the game award nominees are going to be announced november 13th so again not a huge news story because it's just an announcement of an announcement um but game awards probably the biggest game award ceremony uh that that goes on right now um there there are others out there that are definitely big but the game awards definitely get the most publicity. They get uh, they get the most eyeballs on it. Um, they're at this point they're probably the Oscars of video games, um, and so it's always really exciting to see uh, what which games get nominated. So those are going to be announced November thirteenth. Um, possibly next podcast I will be talking about which games get nominated, and then the last uh, topic is actually. Um, a new story from the Seattle Times. Now that I am in a journalism class, it is actually required of me to have a Seattle Times subscription. So I get all the Seattle Times articles sent to my email, which, you know, just fantastic getting all those extra emails and organizing all those extra emails. But I happened to see one that was on video games. And so I definitely had to read it. And the main point of the article was talking about how Seattle is becoming the the Hollywood of video games. Um, and the reasons they uh, they pointed to to explain how it is the Hollywood of video games because there are some, there are other cities that have many uh, video game companies stationed in or around their city. Seattle has a unique blend of really large developers and really small developers and medium-sized developers they have a lot of indie developers there's a big indie game scene and it's like all of them 
no matter how big they are, they're all kind of stationed around Seattle. And, you know, obviously Microsoft is, uh, well, it's, I think they're in Redmond, but they're in the area. Nintendo is in the area, but then you also do have Activision Blizzard. You EA is in, is in Seattle. There's a, there's uh valve is in Seattle. Um, all these really big companies all have offices and uh, developers stationed in this area while there's a bunch of indie game developers as well. Slay the Spire, which I play a ton of, uh, um, was first showed off at an indie game uh, event that takes place down the road from where I live on Capitol Hill. So um, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's one of those things where um, I was actually looking at a topic for my article that I need to write for my journalism class. There was a topic I was considering that had to do with game developers, and I was looking into what companies exist in this area, and it was, yeah, it's, I was surprised. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know that there's a couple, at least a couple of the big ones, but they're pretty much all in this area. Um, any, any big video game company, except for like Ubisoft is based out of Europe, right? So they don't really have offices. Well, maybe they do have offices in this area. I don't know. I actually, <laughs> I, may, I shouldn't say that. It's possible they do have office, offices in this area, even if they are based out of Europe. Um, but it was interesting after I had kind of had that realization before, it was interesting then to see a full article at the Seattle Times going further with it and really pointing out why this area is just like the video game hub. All right, so last but not least, let's get into some video game releases. I was really worried because it had been so many weeks since my last podcast, my last release, I was really worried there was going to be all this all these games I had missed. But truthfully, since Spider-Man 2, there haven't been that many big games released. There haven't there not there's been a bunch of games that have come out, but not a ton of big titles. Um Cities Skyline uh Cities, man, that this I hate <laughs> The name of this game is just awful. It's Cities colon Skylines. Both plural. Cities Skylines. Especially for someone with a lisp, that is an awful title. Anyway, Cities Skylines 2 was released. Um, at first I was like, oh, that probably isn't a game worth putting on the list. Because um, it's only got like a niche audience. Um, but there really wasn't much else worth putting on the list. So... Uh, so I decided to throw it on there. It is just the PC release. I did see that people aren't super happy with it. While there's definitely a lot of ways they have improved on the original game with the sequel. Um, like the graphics are kind of icky. <laughs> not, it does like the game itself doesn't look great. Um, and then just some of the other ways the game is running, um, people don't really understand so it'll be interesting to see where things go with that because the original game has a huge following well not a huge following it has a really um dedicated audience i guess is the way i put it dedicated players and dedicated audience so it'd be kind of sad if they come out with this really anticipated sequel only to disappoint 
the people that love it. So um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, Just Dance 2024 uh, is coming out or came out, I guess. Yeah, these are all of the games that were released recently. So that came out recently. You know, there's always going to be a Just Dance every year. And then another game, Alan Wake 2. Uh, again, kind of a more niche audience for this game. It's a, But it is definitely a big release. Uh, it's a big name for sure that a lot of people in the gaming world have heard. Um, it's just a little bit less likely that a lot of people have played the original game. Um, but they're definitely, this was definitely highly anticipated by a good number of people in the video game world. Games coming out soon. Again, not a, a lot of really big titles uh, coming up this week. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star... Oh, man, I am having trouble talking today. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 uh, is coming out this week. Um, basically, uh, it's it's uh, Super Smash Brothers. Uh, but with Nickelodeon characters. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I might have to just pick it up. If it's on Switch, meh, maybe it'll be on PlayStation 4. I'll have to look at that. Um, but that might, because it just might be fun to fight with a bunch of Nickelodeon characters uh, or make a bunch of Nickelodeon characters fight each other. Um, Call of Duty, uh, definitely one, probably the biggest franchise in the world of video games, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is coming out this week. So that is a huge release. Um, and then, again, this last one, definitely a more niche audience. The only, re the re only reason I even know about it is because of a video game podcast. I listen to one of the people on that podcast love this series. Uh, it's called Like, like a Dragon Gaiden is the name of the series. Uh, and the game itself is called The Man Who Erased His Name. So that is coming out this week as well. Niche audience, but definitely a big title. Uh, so I figured I'd throw it on there as well. That's going to do it for me. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this podcast. And hopefully I will see you next time. You have a good one.